0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. And today we're going to be taking a look at the book of Matthew, and I am going to be starting from verse 18 and we're going to make our way down just a little bit. But I did want to go ahead and start taking a look at the Gospels here since we are approaching Easter, because the Gospels are a great story, a great documentary really of Jesus's life, of when he was born, how he was born, the beginning of his ministry what all he did in his ministry, who he recruited, and then his death and resurrection and his ascension to heaven. So all of that is packed into the New Testament in, in the Gospels. And it's such, a beautiful, it's such a beautiful story, and it's a beautiful awakening to our heritage as Christians. You Because know, when I think about people that, when, when they don't know the love of Christ... They literally don't know the love of Jesus, and that that saddens me. So it's very much our responsibility as the body of Christ, the members of Christ, to spread the gospel. And that doesn't mean being a crazy Bible thumper, being hateful, or saying you're going to hell, or anything like that. Those things are not good, and that's not the appropriate way to spread the love of Jesus, because obviously hate is not love. But it is important that we let people know that, There is always a new beginning, and that new beginning comes from Jesus Christ. And I think we all can agree that every single one of us, there are times in our life when we feel like we need a new beginning. But sometimes we feel like we're not worthy of it, and it's just the opposite. We are worthy of it because of what Jesus did for us and because of the love our Heavenly Father has for us. The love of our Heavenly Father is all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible. Even when it's dealing with people that, you know, sinned or fell short of the grace of God, whatever the case may be, he still loves us. So that's why we are included in the body of Christ, because God wants us to know that we are worthy. And it's our job that when we know we're worthy, we need to let others know that they are worthy as well, because we are the body of Christ. We're not just a single strand of hair. We are the entire body of Christ. And that makes us inclusive. Now, I will say this in regards to that. Being inclusive doesn't mean that we look the other way when bad things happen or that, you know, like, for example, if people are living together and they're not married, you know, they're cohabitating. We can't just go, oh, well, that's their life. God loves them anyway. Well, here's the thing. It is true. It is their life. God does love them, but they are not living in the obedience and in the holiness of God. So as the body of Christ, we shouldn't shame and blame them. We should just remind them hey, there's something better than this. If you want to be procreating and you want to be in love with somebody, that's great. But do that within the confines of marriage. Do that in a sacrament because that's where it's meant. You know, because it's a covenant and it's a promise between two people and with God. So sometimes whenever people take the physical stuff ...out of anything that is holy, it degrades it. And that's what cohabitation is. And that's what anything is. When you take it out of the holy will of God, it distances us from God... ...and then we don't know the real love of Jesus. So it's very important that we understand you know, the beginnings of our faith... ...the beginnings of Christianity. And then we walk with Christ the whole way. Because when we are walking with Christ and we have that knowledge of the word then we are less likely to make those mistakes. We're less likely to fall into sin. Can we still make mistakes? Yes. Does God still love us? Yes, of course. But the, the goal is to have a really good, blessed life. And a lot of those aspects of that living come down to our daily decisions. Not just big decisions, but just little decisions. And these decisions happen every day. It's almost like, when you're practicing all these little acts of kindness, well, all these little acts of kindness add up to a wonderful, healthy Christian life. And it really gets God's attention when, when he knows that you're trying. Even when you fail, even, even when, you, when you're not sure about life, that's okay. God is always there for you. So let's go ahead and take a look at Matthew. And I'm starting in the verse of 18 in chapter 1. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So let's go back here to the beginning of this passage. This is really good. So here we have several um, characters right here. We have Joseph. We have Mary. We have Jesus, who's, who's conceived in the womb. And then we have an angel of the Lord. And also we have the Holy Spirit, so that technically makes five. So a lot is going on in just this short amount of time right here. So let's take a look at this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, what we don't maybe have a common knowledge of is that women were pledged to be married back then. Especially if you were um, within the tribes of God's people and you were a woman, you were pledged to somebody. So that may or may not have happened in other societies at that time. It may have been done in different ways. But in terms of what's going on with Mary, she was it was basically an arranged marriage in a way. But she may or may not have already known him because they're probably coming from the same town or the same city. Maybe they knew each other's families. But here's the thing. She was pledged to be married to someone, and it was very important, super important, for women to be virgins back then. It's still important now, but virginity is not really valued today like it was back then, even though it should be. But here's the thing. If a woman was not a virgin when she got married, it was considered scandalous. It was considered very scandalous because there was all this pressure put on women back then to be be virgins. Even though that's not what God intended, he wanted both male and female to be virgins unless they had been married previously. So here we see that Mary is pledged to or sorry, Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So it was very much scandalous for a woman to be pregnant out of wedlock back then. In fact, she she could have been stoned to death. She could have been kicked out of town. I mean, it was really serious back then. It's almost like what happens in Sharia law in, you know, over in Muslim countries, like just the Anti woman, woman hater kind of society. It's so extreme, even though that's not what God wanted at all. He didn't want that kind of society. God did not make religion. Man did that. But they're living in a time when there are all these rules, laws, and regulations within the Jewish faith. And a lot of these rules, laws, and regulations, you know, they may have meant well to a certain extent. But also, they cause a lot of shaming and blaming. And that's not what God intended at all. So here we see that Mary becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So I'll mention this. If you are a woman and you are not able to conceive, ask God to help you because the Holy Spirit can help you get pregnant. God can help you get pregnant. We see that here with Mary. And we also see that with Abraham and Sarah. When they conceived in their old age, like extremely old age, like she would have been way past menopause. That, that's the miracle of God is that if something is impossible for you, it is possible for God. He can make the impossible become possible. That's the love of our Heavenly Father and that's the power of God and that same power is in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what, is what, how word this? It's what comes and dwells in us. When we give our life to Christ and we ask Jesus to come into our heart and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, that same power, that same Holy Spirit that helped Mary conceive a child is the same Holy Spirit that comes to dwell in each and every single one of us when we give our life to Christ. We worship a powerful, almighty God. He is not a weakling. He is not a coward. There is no situation that is too big or too stressful for God. He can handle it. So we need to give everything to Him. It goes on to say, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So he was a faithful Jew, very devout. He knew the law, okay? Because Joseph was her husband, or sorry, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's the thing. Joseph knows the law. He knows that if it is found out that his fiancée slash wife is pregnant before they even get married, she could be ostracized from society, she could be stoned to death. And he knows that because he knows the law. And here's the other thing, Mary knows this law. She's not ignorant of this either. Not by any means. But what's interesting is that he loves her so much. His love for her superseded the laws of their society. All these rules, laws, and regulations that he knew were too harsh. and In fact, cruel at times. It says, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. I want you to notice that there. You know, there are many stories that we don't hear about from the the Middle East, but when we do hear of them, they're pretty bad. And one of them is this. This was probably 10 or 15 years ago, but this happens all the time over there. When a Muslim girl, teenager or young woman, goes out with someone or goes on a date with a guy that's not Muslim, they call a mercy killing whenever she comes home. And her father or her brothers drag her out of the house and they stone her to death or they kill her publicly. That's what this is talking about when it says, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. See, because here's the thing over in these Muslim countries, they take things to the extreme over there. To the extreme. And God never wanted that. He never wanted that kind of harshness within his people. He never wanted that. So here Joseph, even though he knows the law, he practices the law, he's not ignorant of it at all, but he loves Mary. He's absolutely in love with her, but he cannot imagine her being put to public disgrace, which he knew risked her being stoned to death it also risked her being kicked out of society she would have been she would have become poor possibly could have been forced into prostitution she would have been cast away but instead it says here he had in mind to divorce her quietly he did not want to shame her he did not want to blame her he did not want to take the risk of her being stoned to death he wanted her to still have a normal life and also He didn't want the child that she was pregnant with to be killed either. I mean, that is such an amazing love right there. That is such a beautiful love of a wonderful husband. That he's willing to to love not only the woman that he's in love with, but he's also willing to love the child that she's pregnant with. But at this point in time, the best way that he knows humanly how to love her is just to divorce her quietly so that You know, maybe she can find somebody else to marry in a different town, different region. So that way she can still have true happiness. And also the child, you know, can have a good life. It took a lot of courage to do that because he could have easily, you know, broadcasted it. Oh, I'm, I'm engaged to a skank. He could have easily done that. But he did not do that. He did not degrade her. He did not shame her in any way. That is such true love, such an amazing love. Like there's a reason why Joseph was picked to be Mary's husband. It wasn't an accident. It was very intentional on, on the part of God to find Mary a wonderful husband that is so kind, so loving, so genuine. What, a, what an amazing spouse and what a beautiful marriage, really. Really? It says but after he had considered this an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. For those that think angels don't exist they do and for those that think that angels don't do anything in our world anymore you are pleasantly mistaken on this because I'm glad that you're wrong. Because angels do exist and they do interact with us in our world. A lot of people think that angels only had responsibilities or only interacted with us in the Old Testament. No. Technically, we are new covenant people. And right here we see an angel appear to Joseph in a dream and comforted him and and gave him instructions. That wasn't random. Angels are messengers. And they're there to guard and protect us. So obviously the Lord loved Joseph, He loved Mary, and He loved His son very much. But He knew that, you know, God knew, He knew that there's a human element here. He knew that Joseph was scared. He was scared that he was betrothed to someone that's pregnant out of wedlock. He's scared of what could happen to her, and He's also scared of what could happen to him. He's really concerned about this. Like We don't get concerned about this stuff anymore, especially not in the United States. But just imagine if you were in, how do I describe this? Let's say you lived over in a third world country or even a second world country. Let's say you live in Africa or kind of the outskirts of India where they still have tribal, uh, I guess, societies. And it's not very um, built up. Um they're, they're not very educated on modern medicine, things like that. They still have witch doctors. They still have voodoo. They still have really crazy, like it's beyond cults. It's, it's just a totally different way of life over there. But it's just in pockets. It's not in their cities. It's in the outskirts of their cities that they still have these problems. So just imagine living in, in kind of a semi-tribal town or village. And everybody knows everybody else's business. This is why Joseph is scared. Because he knows the beliefs of his people, of Mary's people, of the town, of the region. It wasn't like he could just hop on a jet and be like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Like, to escape something like this, like you have to get on a horse or a camel or a donkey or something. And that's not very fast travel compared to cars, jets, and motorcycles that we have today. So it's not like he can really run from his situation. So he was scared. And get this. He went to bed troubled. Even though he already had it in his mind what he was going to do, guess what? His plan did not really bring him peace. So, you know, it's one of those things that we need to be relying on God completely but it doesn't say anything here that Joseph took this up in prayer and i don't think he did i think he was too scared i think he was fearful he was really concerned for his life for the life of mary and for the life of the unborn child but here's the thing he didn't take it up in prayer so he 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 just kind of made up this own plan okay this is what i'm going to do i love mary It's not my child, but I don't want her child to die because that child is part of her and I love her. So I'm just going to divorce her quietly. That was his plan. God's plans are always better than our plan. Always. We don't have to try and figure it out. It's not on us. We have an advocate, and here we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit already right here. Even though Jesus is not born yet in the human, in the human flesh, Jesus has been here since the beginning of time because He was the Word and the Word was with God at the beginning of time. So none of this is a shock to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's only shocking the people in this story, which right now is Joseph. Because Mary wasn't really, she wasn't shocked, she was concerned, but she did the Lord's will. She said, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me as, as thy Lord will, basically. I'm misquoting it there a little bit, but she believed. Even though she was concerned, and she knew the seriousness of this situation, she didn't say, no God, I can't do that. She said, yes. Joseph right here, he's basically telling God no. But it's kind of a soft no. It's not, no God, I'm not doing this. He says, well, God, I, I can't do this. I'm sorry. That's why he was going to divorce Mary quietly. But God's ways are better than our ways. And he sent him an angel and comforted him in his sleep. Now look at it this way. How many times have we gone to bed and we didn't sleep well? We tossed and turned. How beautiful would it be if God sent us an angel and comforted us in our sleep and told us what to do? Because angels are relaying a, me- a message to us from the Heavenly Father, which is our Heavenly Father. It goes on to say, she will give birth to a son And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the angel is giving divine instruction to Joseph in a dream via the Holy Spirit and via uh, our Heavenly Father. And Joseph knew that this was no ordinary dream. He knew it was basically divine intervention. goes on to say... All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me say this. When God is with you, he is for you. He is never against you. So if God be for you, who dare be against you? So look at it this way. God is for Joseph, and he's with Joseph. God is with Mary, and he's for Mary. God is for Jesus and He's with Jesus. So nothing bad is going to happen to them. He's guarding them and protecting them every step of the way to fulfill God's promise to His people and to fulfill what the prophets foretold in the Old Testament. Goes on to say, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So Joseph knew that this was a real dream. He knew that he was spoken to by an angel. So he did exactly what he was told to do. It says, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. What an amazing, wonderful husband. Instead of living in fear, living in terror and just living off of his own understanding. He actually listened to and acted on the advice given to him by God from an angel. How beautiful is that? Amazingly beautiful. So here's the thing. Joseph was scared. God knew that. He knew that he needed to be kind of reinforced, be encouraged. and He knew that he needed instruction. He needed wisdom. So God sent Joseph an angel. Joseph acted on the, the word that the angel told him. And Joseph was rewarded with a beautiful wife, a wonderful marriage, and Joseph got to raise the Son of God. He was blessed because he acted on he acted on God's holy word. He didn't go with what people were saying. He didn't he didn't go with people that may have been saying, Oh, she, she's not a good woman. Find somebody else, someone that doesn't make those kind of mistakes, right? He didn't listen to any of that. He only listened to his Heavenly Father. And he did what the Lord told him to do. When we do what God tells us to do, we are abundantly blessed. And it may seem like it's impossible. You know, it probably seemed very impossible for Joseph to take a wife that had never been married, but was pregnant, because that also reflected on him. If you think about, it, Joseph made a lot of sacrifices here, but God rewarded his sacrifice. God loved Joseph, and he handpicked him for Mary. It was no accident. Yes, there were arranged marriages. Yes, there were you know, pledges and contracts and things like that. Even though God never intended for women to be treated like that, he still loves women and he guards and protects them even when mankind makes mistakes. He corrects the situation. So here we have a betrothal that is kind of foreign to us. Especially for Americans. But God can take what mankind thinks is great and lawful, and he can turn it for good. Because you have to remember, the Jewish law back then was so strict. They had like over 600 laws. And if you broke just one law or one rule or regulation... You had to offer up a sacrifice. Just imagine how many mistakes we make in one given day. Can you imagine trying to obey over 600 religious laws? Religious laws. Not just ordinances, not just regular everyday life stuff, but religious laws that affected everyday life. It affected property. It affected marriage. It affected when you had sex. It affected You know, when a woman um, could give birth, it affected the meat that you had, how you prepared it, how you cooked it. It affected how you treated people that were sick. It affected the medicine that that they offered people in their villages and their towns. Like, it affected everything. These laws, rules, and regulations in the Jewish community were so unbelievably strict. But they made it that way. They basically thought that shaming and blaming is the way to control people. God never said that. God never did that. People did that. God did not. See, sometimes, how do I word this? We associate with doing what's right. With punishing the bad and over punishing the bad. Aren't you glad that God doesn't punish the way that we think people should be punished? Aren't you glad that he doesn't punish us the way that we sometimes treat people? Are there punishments in this world? Yes. Are some of them deserved? Yes. Very true. Like when someone commits a heinous crime... They should go to jail and they should go to jail for the rest of their life and or get the death penalty depending on what they, depending on what they did. I think there's a a difference between crimes, but that's not to make an excuse. It's just the punishment should fit the crime. But here's the thing. The Jews took it to the extreme. They were meaning well in the beginning. They really were trying and they really did value God's holy law because You know, what we forget is that Jewish people, especially the men, they had to memorize the Torah, every verse within that. It's like the first five or six books of the Bible. Imagine having to memorize that and that be your way of life, no matter what, no no faltering, no takebacks, nothing. Nothing. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we live a life where it's like, oh, I'm religious on the weekends. I'm religious on the day that I go to church. But the day that I show up for work or or when it comes Monday, I'm going to do whatever I want. Or I'm going to do my best, but if I fail, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just ask for forgiveness. You could not do that if you were Jewish back then. Every day was a holy day. And technically, every day still is a holy day. But within their society, it was extreme. Extreme. And you were constantly having to be worried about looking over your shoulder, who is watching me, because people were quick to punish back then. That's why when when Jesus was born on this earth and... People were waking up to the fact that he is the Messiah. People thought that he was going to be this kind of semi-ruthless Jewish powerful king. And he's going to make the Roman government pay for what they've been doing to their people. I mean, just be like almost like a brutal warlord kind of thing. And who can blame them for wanting that? The Jewish people were treated really bad on so many levels. But here's the thing. Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. The Jewish people thought that, well, hey, if we got this Messiah, now we can do what we really want. Screw all these other people that have been hurting us for hundreds of years. They're going to pay. Jesus came to fulfill everything that his Heavenly Father wanted him to do. God created us in a loving, kind way. He did not create us to bring war on this earth. Like if you go back to Genesis, and you go back to when Adam and Eve were, were created, they had a great in the Garden of Eden. There were, no, there were no wars, there was no disease, there was no death. That was the original law, technically. And that's our covenant. That's part of our covenant with God and with Jesus. Jesus. So when Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, basically, I did not come here just to wipe out all your enemies and blow them to bits. I came to fulfill the law. He's talking about God's original law. He's talking about the love that he has for mankind. Which was kind of a slap in the face, an important one to the Jewish people at that time. Especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they loved their little rules, laws, and regulations. It was like they were the DMV or the IRS on steroids. That's what it was like all the time, every day. So this is why Joseph was so fearful. This is why he was so scared. But what's interesting is that there is no shame, blame, or condemnation in feeling fear. God doesn't want us to be fearful, but he knows that as human beings, sometimes we feel that because of the situations we get into. But even in those situations, God will deliver us from those. And he will give us a kind and and a blessing, a kind, I was going to say a kind word and a blessing. To help us have strength and have courage and to endure it to the end. See, because if you think about Joseph's anxiety here was temporary. He actually still got to get married, have a beautiful, wonderful wife. The son of God was born and they had other children. God rewarded him for his obedience. But the only way that Joseph could be obedient was to not live in fear. Yes, we can have fear, but we can't live or operate in it. Because if we live and operate in fear, then we are not living in the goodness and holiness of God. And we are also not fulfilling his covenant and his promise upon each and every one of our lives. We each have a destiny that we need to fulfill. And I think Joseph was aware of this. I don't think he knew it right away because he was... He was living in fear a little bit. He was scared because he only knew things from the natural, from his world, from his point of view, what he was raised in and what he knew. But thank goodness we serve a beautiful, wonderful, loving God that can send us a messenger and give us a message. You know what? In terms of modern day life, that angel giving a kind, courageous word to Joseph is like you or me receiving a text message from someone that we don't even know. But it says, I know you've got this situation. Have no fear. God loves you. In wisdom, this is what you need to do. Take heart. Have courage. God loves you. What a beautiful message that would be to receive. But that's what it's like. It would be if we received that via text. But Joseph received this via a dream. And FYI, God can still talk to us through our dreams. Big time. So don't throw that, don't throw that communication away. We need to open our hearts to God so that we will be open to any form of communication because we serve, as I've said before, we serve a conversational God, not a confrontational God. See, God wanted to have conversation with Joseph. But God knew that if if he himself appeared before Joseph, the man could have had a heart attack. Like he would have just been like, oh, what is going on? It would have been frightening to Joseph. That's why God sent a messenger. That's why he sent an angel to comfort Joseph in his sleep. Because he knew that Joseph had thought of an idea that was not going to work. He was tossing and turning in his sleep. Joseph was worried, he was fearful, he was still having doubts, and he wasn't sure what to do. We need to give God a chance to comfort us. Because sometimes we get so wrapped up in our misery that we don't know what comfort is. Like, we don't understand what peace is. I've been there. I've gone through so many hellhole situations, it's unbelievable. And so then when I'm in a, a place of calm, a place of peace, I'm like, I feel like I don't know what to do. Because I'm so used to living in hell all the time. It's like, I don't know how to be peaceful. I don't know how to be calm. Well, in those moments, we need to give God a chance to reprogram us. And that's what's happening here. God sent Joseph an angel to reprogram him. He's basically pulling Joseph away from the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and he's, he's pulling him away from the harshness of the law. And he's technically foreshadowing to him. The new covenant. Which is Jesus. But it's in baby steps. Literally it's in baby steps. Because there's only so much a human being can take in. You know, it's almost like if you go to therapy, right? Let's say, for example, you go to therapy and you're with your spouse and the session lasts like an hour. But if the therapist just lets it continue to go on, you could be there for three hours talking about all this stuff that it's just too intense, right? It's the same thing here. We have to give ourselves a chance to, how do I word this? Process data, process information, process the situation. Because if we don't give ourselves a chance to take a step back, take a breath, take a moment, then it's going to seem completely out of control. When it's not out of control at all, it's perfectly in control because it's right there in the palm of God's hand. And that's where we are. God was trying to get Joseph to calm down. And to give how I word this. It's like I so much I want to say. God was trying to get Joseph to take a step back, take a breather, and give God a chance to help him. Because nowhere does it say that Joseph prayed about this. It says that he knew the law and he was faithful to the law. So here we see that Joseph is very faithful to the law. But it doesn't say he was faithful to God. Sometimes we get wrapped up in religion. And then that's where a lot of fear comes from. Because then we're we're shaming and blaming ourselves as well as other people. So we're wrapped up in this continuous mindset of punishment, punishment, punishment. That's not what God intended at all. Do people get punished? Yes. Do some people go to hell? Yes. But... That's not God's original intention. Not by any means. God is love. And we see that here. And Joseph is is slowly waking up to just how good God is outside those laws that mankind made up. Yes, they have good intentions. But sometimes those good intentions go way too far. It's almost like when a parent over-punishes their child. Let's say, for example, you have a teenager and they they stay out too late. And so then you, then you're up waiting late at night, right? You're up late, and you're waiting for your kid to come back. And so instead of you know, just grounding your kid for a certain amount of time, or maybe taking the car away for like a week and saying, "Hey, you know, you can't be doing this. We have we have rules in this house. If you do not honor these rules, this is what happens. So it's up to you. If you want your car, you can't be doing this. Like, we need to have a, an agreement here. Once you get to be 18 and you move out, hey, you're on your own. You, you can stay out as late as you want. But if you're under the age of 18 and you're a minor, in the eyes of the law... You have to be here at home by a certain time. Overpunishing would be if you, if you beat your child and take their property away from them, take the car away that they bought, that the kids saved up for. You take it away from them. You sell it to somebody else or you dump it off at a junkyard. And you say, well, you're never going to drive again as long as you live here. And you're not allowed to go out you know, for like a year or two. How do you think that kid's going to react? How do you think they're going to view you as an authority figure? See, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Discipline encourages your child to start thinking on their own, Hey, if I do this and it's bad, this is what's going to happen. So maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. But if you punish, 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 guess what? You're not giving your child a chance to grow up. You're not giving them a chance to care about themselves. And also, you're not encouraging them to have self-worth and to value themselves. There's a difference between those things. God is definitely for discipline. He doesn't like having to punish. But under the law, over, you know, I think there's like over 600 laws. The Jewish people, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanted to permanently punish people. They didn't want people to be disciplined, they didn't want them to grow on their own, per se. They just wanted people to stay a child. So that way they could be dominated. But yet they would complain whenever other nations would take over them and treat them bad. So they're slowly waking up to okay, maybe we took this too extreme. This is why Joseph did not want to publicly make it known about what his wife. Her, her situation because he knew the law he was scared of it but he also loved Mary he wanted he really wanted to guard and protect her because he knew the law was going to over punish her and thank goodness you know we have a loving heavenly father that sent him an angel letting him know hey she's she's not pregnant with what you think she's pregnant with. She's actually pregnant with the Messiah. And this is to fulfill a prophecy. So the angel's telling him this because God knows that Joseph is aware of what the prophecies have been, what was foretold in the days long ago. So he knew the seriousness of this, and he also knew that His wife is not what people are saying. He knew that she's actually a good, kind, wonderful, pure individual. And that they all have a role in this drama that's taking place here. Where God is going to send his son to save mankind. But even though they know this, they're still having to deal with some really bad people, which later on in the Gospels, we'll see where King Herod wants to kill Jesus. Because other people are aware of this prophecy. Other people are aware of the Jewish heritage. They are aware of the history of this, of what was foretold in the Old Testament. And guess what? No Roman government is going to be for this. They will not be for it. That's why King Herod tries to hunt him down. But needless to say, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were always in the palm of God's hand. Which means we are also always in the palm of God's hand. We're always in his palm. Always, always, always. And if you need to be comforted, ask God to comfort you. There is no shame in that. If anything, God loves to comfort his people because he wants you to know that you're not alone and that you're not on your own and that he is with you and for you all the days of your life. That is it for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I pray that you are in a good church and that you're reading a really good Bible. And again, I read from the Leadership Bible it is from reader to leader. It is the new international version. It's a really good one. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And if you have not given your life to Christ, give your life to Christ. He loves you. He wants, you, he wants to take you to new and wonderful places. And he's guarding and protecting you all the days of your life. Until next time, God loves you. Bye-bye.